1: Here's how I think this is going to go. I think it's going to be very much like social media. I think right now, most folks are still really skeptical. A lot of folks still don't quite know what the metaverse is or how it might apply to their company, never mind their department. It will affect every single department in every single organization, just the way the internet changing
0: to become more social in every way did too. But I think this is about 10x bigger, truly. That was Lindsay McKinnerney, self-proclaimed internet nerd and tech futurist who has launched multiple projects in the metaverse and Web3 space as global head of technology and innovation at AB InBev, the world's largest brewery, and now an independent consultant who remains excited about the ways that crypto, blockchain, NFTs, and extended reality will reach our digital and physical landscape, which is evident in the highlight you just listened to. In this podcast, you'll also share how important it is to learn to pivot in the ever-changing digital landscape. What the metaverse, NFTs, augmented reality and virtual reality all are in simple terms and where they can bring new opportunities to business, not just in B2C businesses, but also B2B businesses. How any brand must and can distill the essence of their brand away from the category in which they operate into its pure essence so that you can translate it into the metaverse and the emerging tech space. Whether building high growth startups or advising Fortune 500 companies or the royal family or the United Nations, Lindsay has spent her career helping people understand the impact of cutting edge technologies and adopting them early, which she now shares with us. Ladies and gentlemen, Lindsay McKinnerney. Lindsay, thank you so much for being here with us. It is great to get a chance to talk to you. We are so curious to understand and get our heads around the metaverse, NFTs and the like. But I want to open up with two questions that I always ask all of my guests. First is, can you complete the sentence for me? If you really know me, you know that. I
1: cannot be controlled around pizza. (laughs) (laughs) It's a danger food. Love pizza, eat pizza every country I go to, every country I visit. It's my favorite food.
0: Then you asked me my second question. I was wondering if you resisted it, therefore, or you leaned into it. But it sounds like you lean into it.
1: Yeah, lean right into it and let it be my reputation and try to find the best piece of pie in the world.
0: What do you learn about tasting pizza from other parts of the world? What can you learn about the culture? Like who makes the best pizza or which country is the weirdest perception of pizza?
1: Oh man, this could be and should be a whole other podcast probably already is a whole other podcast but the crazy coolest thing about traveling the world is getting to experience people and culture through food and the way they interpret it and the humble pizza is super simple but there's so many different riffs on it and so many different ways to bring it together and make it yours that i think certain parts of italy would argue they've got the best pizza but you meet a new yorker don't tell them that because new yorkers think they got it going on as well you know you get to learn lots about food about culture about how people enjoy food how they like to experience it is it something that people want on the go you know New York is very on-the-go, you know, you've got very on-the-go slices, whereas in Italy is a fine dining experience and sort of everything in between.
0: I would love to talk more about pizza. I listen to food podcasts all the time, recipe podcasts, but our topic is strategy, particularly around metaverse strategy. So let me start off with what's your definition of strategy?
1: Strategy is the plan you lay with the best intentions that almost always goes critically wrong because (laughs) in reality, when rubber meets the road, you need to be able to adapt in real time to lots of different things. So I think for me, strategy... It's about thinking as far into the future as you can, having plans for short, medium, long term, and then almost always preparing for none of the things you anticipated to happen and having to pivot and do something else.
0: Love it. Especially in the place that you play, where the reality is evolving and being discovered. Pivoting is really important.
1: Yeah, this is it. And I think it's one of the really challenging things from most organizations is that, especially once you get to a certain size, you like to be able to lay out a strategy that's at least one year forward thinking. And in emerging technology, it's not possible. I think universities are struggling with this right now. You know, How do you design a degree for somebody who will graduate in four years' time with the skill sets that they need? You want to plan that today, and you kind of need to plan it from the beginning, but everything is going to change between now and then and likewise inside organizations and in fast moving spaces like what we're talking about, you needs to be able to pivot and change tack fairly quickly. And certainly when your plans don't work.
0: Yes, exactly. So first, I just want to start off with like a basic definition of the metaverse. If you could just share that with us, as I think of it, there is certainly some kind of like NFT system that allows you to control supply. There's certainly like an immersive experience, the ability to transport that experience across large distances quickly. But what's your definition of the metaverse?
1: For me, the metaverse is an emerging shared digital space that will very much parallel the physical world, where people will go to socialize, play, work, create, fantasize, prosper. And there's a couple of different ways that that's starting to shake out. I think some of the things you alluded to there get into the idea of the open verse versus the closed metaverse. But really simply, I think for anybody who's got kids, it's the idea that the Internet is going from these two dimensional news feeds to a 3D Internet, something more immersive. And you'll understand that if you have kids because they play video games and they spend time socializing with one another, playing together, creating things together in spaces like Roblox, Fortnite, Minecraft and the metaverse for all intents and purposes and by the way I'm not even sure that's what we will call this thing that's very hard to define in the end but it's really important to have this working definition now because it gives us something to look at and point to and make sure we're discussing the same thing you know it's this idea that the internet now because of these technologies that and where technology is can be more immersive more spatial or persistent and that's sort of
0: where things are going I love that you said that you're not sure that this is what we will call the thing that it's a working term right now
1: yeah I mean you have to remember like the internet was the information superhighway or the world wide web. And we never call it either of those things anymore. It's just the internet, you know? Or it's just the platform we're on. What are you doing? I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on TikTok. We don't even refer to the technology that's hosting the thing very often anymore, which is interesting because once you get into the world of like watching movies and streaming content, the way most people do now as well, you don't go sit in front of your TV and go, I'm on the internet. You are, you're very much on the internet when you're sitting on Netflix streaming shows. They're not on the internet anymore. So I feel like this is going to take a couple of different curves and turns for us. And we call it Metaverse now. It came out of Stevenson's book called Snow Crash, where he named this space that he was describing that very much looks, feels, and sounds like what we're talking about now, the Metaverse. And it became, you know, a sticky word for it. I think it's really great, but I expect very much that
0: it's going to evolve. Yeah, because I do have this question. When we use the term the Metaverse, we think of something that looks a lot like reality. But if I see my kids playing Roblox... It doesn't look like reality at all, but that's okay, but still all-encompassing and immersive.
1: These are the interesting things because actually, in some ways, the metaverse, I think at some point, may even require a little bit of a rebrand, and that's because when people hear that word, some folks get put off right away because they think of that image of Mark Zuckerberg walking through a conference room where everybody's on VR headsets, and they think VR is the metaverse and nothing else can be the metaverse, and that sounds incredibly messed up to live in a world where we're all locked into these headsets and that's where metaverse comes from right it comes from dystopian fiction where the world sucks so much and it's in such disarray that the only place to escape it for people is to go into these 3d worlds through most of the time virtual reality or some other such thing and that's where it comes from right but that doesn't have to be where it stays My vision for the metaverse is that it has to be multi-device. We will access it from the device in our hands. So your kids are accessing it through perhaps an Xbox or PlayStation today. Video games, I would call more like the grandparents or the foreparents of the metaverse, certainly sort of like early proto-metaverse experiences. And they're accessing those via Playstations or Xboxes or Switches. And they're also accessing them on their mobile phones or tablets and desktop computers or laptops. And that's absolutely the way it needs to be and remain in order to make this as accessible as possible. But there are two really exciting technologies that when you think about how they can change things, and that is AR and it is VR. Some metaverse type experiences, no question will happen in VR. And it will be because that is purposeful and thoughtful. And there were strategic reasons that medium was chosen to deliver whatever experience it is that you're delivering. But likewise, and the one I'm the most excited about is AR. Because right now, if you go out in the world, Let's say you're going out for a romantic dinner with a partner and you get to the restaurant and you look around. Most people's faces are stuck in their phones. And likewise, if you're at a concert, people aren't watching the concert anymore or the football game or the anything else. Their face is stuck in their phone, photographing it or whatever social network they want to post it to. And they're not actually living in those moments anymore. Likewise, if I go on a hike, I might be opening my phone and pulling it out of my pocket. And it's coming right out of this beautiful moment to look at turn by turn directions on my phone. And if we get metaverse right, and if we start to get AR right, where it will end up being in my glassware, in my contacts, and in other things that are on my person, I feel like we will have or we have the opportunity to have a much healthier relationship than we have right now with technology, where the metaverse becomes the convergence of the digital and the physical and allows me to navigate the world where technology enhances what I do, but doesn't pull me out of the moments in these really, frankly, terrible ways at all. Like,
0: Yeah, as I understood it, the Apple Watch initially was intended to be that, to not distract people from their physical interactions while they're getting pinged by digital interactions. So do you think there is, I'm sorry, I'm also thinking that there is actually a piece as we're recording this in Harvard Business Review, and I'm mentioning Harvard Business Review because then that sort of legitimizes this crazy idea. There's a whole article about direct neural communications with devices. It lays out people that are working on that in medicine and other areas. And it seems to me like adoption of headsets is really low. I hate them. I put them on. I tried. There's a long learning curve. So I guess one thing is you've got the uncertainty of how this will evolve and has a lot to do with the physical technologies, the devices, right?
1: In some ways, yes. If we're talking about VR and AR, certainly. Does that mean that there aren't current opportunities for brands, for people to experience a more interesting internet? No. There's stuff right away that becomes much more interesting. And I'll give you an example that's probably the most boring, mundane, but still far more exciting for everybody, I think this past few years, most people would have done some sort of grocery shop on the internet. And grocery shopping on the internet sucks. Actually, shopping for most things, on a two-dimensional news feed sucks. You kind of have to know exactly what you want before you go in. There's no walking into the digital grocery store today and being like, oh yeah, limes. I'm having mezcal margaritas this week. Almost forgot them. You have to remember when you go into any platform, you have to put in limes, mezcal, whatever all you're including ingredients are for your salads, for your whatever else. And so there's no discovery mechanism in these 2D feeds of information and shopping experiences today where you can discover new products, where you can discover products you almost forgot. There aren't opportunities for upselling or anything like that. Once you get into things like clothing, there's also an no opportunity to try them on. And of course, with avatars that replicate our physical appearance, you can try things on before you purchase them and check out and make sure that you're going to like how they're going to look on you.
0: These avatars would know our dimensions. Mm-hmm. They'd be actually replicates and I got it. Interesting.
1: Yeah, because there's amazing platforms and technology now where you can have your body scanned with your iPhone and it will capture your sizing, your dimension, your everything else so that you can create avatars and then begin to try them on. And so that gets exciting for retail. The returns are going to be less. But what also excites me is that, so thinking about the grocery store example, which again, most mundane, boring thing, but we all do it. Still going to a physical grocery store is far more exciting for product discovery, for remembering what you almost forgot, for not having to create a grocery list, that sort of thing. And imagine transitioning to a world where you could enter a 3D grocery store and walk down the aisles pretty much like you do in reality, but yeah, they're digital. And so you once again can stumble across the limes or you can find the new Oreo flavor that is been released this month in line with St. Patrick's Day or whatever they do because Oreos, Bananas, and they do all these cool flavors. It gives you this ability to discover, kind of recreates this excitement that we have in reality that you really miss when you go to these 2D news feeds. And likewise, if you think about large stores like Zara or H&M, where maybe I try on a pair of trousers, and they're fine, I'm going to buy them. But I didn't realize there was a jacket that went particularly well with them. Imagine being in a virtual shop and A, being able to cruise the racks like you can in reality, but also have a shopkeeper that either could be a minimum wage employee, just like reality, or an AI that knows exactly the kinds of things that you like to buy or the things that go with that piece of clothing that season that would have been designed to do that. And then because you can try it on your avatar, you know that, uh, you know, I've been a long couple of years, I need a large, not a medium this, time. And you know that before it gets home, you know, these kinds of opportunities, they seem super mundane, but they become way more exciting. You know, folks, when we got into this social media era, we're super skeptical that anybody would post pictures on the internet or videos or consume them and thought that was really silly. So as ridiculous as some of this sounds, shopping in a 3D grocery store or shopping in a 3D Zara or H&M or these kinds of things, I truly think we'll look back in five years and go, oh, whoops, we sounded like grandparents, when we were like, that's so dumb. And it is a bit silly. And that's how all technology goes. You know, it always appears a little bit gimmicky or a little bit like a toy or a little bit like a game or perhaps unnecessary, and then all of a sudden it's taking our attention, and we love it, and it's exploding, and we can't remember a time when we lived without it.
0: Yes, yes. Just to bring what you're saying also to a B2B context for our B2B audiences, I don't know, I'm building rocket ships or missiles, or I'm putting the surfaces on iPhones, or I'm installing hardware or managing cell towers. What kind of scenarios do you see for those kinds of companies?
1: Well, those kinds of companies get really interesting When it comes to health and safety, training, security, those sorts of things where you can allow people to experience some of the more dangerous jobs or jobs where there's a health risk digitally in a way that's so real. It's as though they've done it before, before you actually let them into the plant, let them on site, let them into certain areas without having been trained. And so I see a world where we are ramping education, able to educate people so much more deeply and so much better because we just learn better as humans in 3D as well. That's the other really interesting thing. We retain information better. We learn faster and it sticks. So I see a world where we're able to do a lot of things and play them out really cost effectively as well before we go and actually have to build the thing.
0: That's right. Yeah, you could build the machine, build the space for architects, things like that. That makes a lot of sense, which allows you to then do that first phase at a much lower cost.
1: Much lower cost. Let's enter the building. You know, our hypothesis is that it's a southern facing view and this is what's going to happen with the light. But actually, the way we designed this overhang doesn't allow the light to come into the house. You can literally experience all these things digitally and truly live them and walk the halls of them before you go and build the thing, which I think it's really
0: exciting. Fascinating. I can see all of these interesting applications and how that actually change the economics of businesses making it cheaper to experiment and try and which can increase innovation. What we haven't brought into here yet is blockchain or NFTs. I know you've done some amazing stuff with NFTs. So let's bring that into this scenario. Where do they fit in?
1: Yeah, sure. So when we talk about things like blockchain and NFTs in the metaverse, we're typically talking about the difference between an open metaverse and a closed metaverse. By that, I mean a closed metaverse will replicate very much these worlds and the ecosystems of internet products that we are used to today. So Facebook owns Facebook. We're effectively leasing space there as users and we don't own our audience necessarily, but we access them through there and Facebook owns the environment. So if they want to change the reach of our posts or if they want to change the rules of the game, they can. And this is happening in a similar way in traditional games, Roblox, Fortnite, Minecraft, where you're effectively leasing the assets that are locked within the platform. So you can't currently take your skin from a Fortnite experience and bring it into Minecraft or bring it into some other world. It kind of lives in Fortnite. That's the thing. Typically, we're using traditional payment. A lot of the time, these things are bought with an in-platform virtual currency. So you've got Robux in Roblox, you've got V-Bucks in Fortnite, Minecoins in Minecraft, and the platform is earning a large percentage of the purchases in these worlds. They also kind of control the supply and the demand. So by that, I mean, let's say you think you've bought a very limited one of 1000 gold sword in one of these worlds. And that gold sword sold out way faster than anybody in Fortnite or Roblox or Minecraft anticipated. And so they go, you know what, let's release another hundred thousand of them. Now, this limited thing that you thought was really unique and quite special isn't really unique or special at all anymore. There's hundreds of thousands of them. Now, that is exactly the world we're used to operating inside of the world of the Googles, the Facebooks, the Twitters, you know, all of that sort of thing. And that is the way we allowed the Internet to evolve. And also it's what made the Internet evolve to be much easier to use in the Web 2.0 era. When we start talking about an open metaverse, one that's decentralized, typically it's open and decentralized because it is being built on a blockchain where you have the ability to prove your ownership of digital assets and space that you create. And the assets are typically owned as NFTs, and that means that they transfer instantly to other wallets. But also the hope is that they can be used inside other universes. So they would be interoperable where you could walk something from maybe Decentraland or the sandbox into the other side, which is another universe that is being built right now. Typically, these worlds each have their own cryptocurrency that people can earn for participating or for creating things and selling them to other folks there. And they may even gain royalties. So folks are very much incentivized to participate, to create, to spend time in these places because they'll earn part of the digital world and experience. And that will allow them to co-create alongside others, co-create along with the people that originally founded the platform, help to govern these spaces, etc. And so the spaces become and the objects become owned in a way where you can buy, sell, trade and hold them. NFTs are the big way that people are doing them. I like to think of NFTs just as digital assets. The NFT part is really just the technology that allows you to own something on the internet in a way we haven't been able to before, where I can sell you the thing I own because I know I own it. It's basically serialized in my wallet. And so just like if you're a collector of guitars or records or comic books or baseball cards in reality, NFTs give the ability to do that digitally. And when you hold, you know, the whatever year Mickey Mantle rookie card, you know you have that thing and you know there were only a certain number of them and so you can place value and provenance on that and understand what it means to own that thing You you hold it in your hand nfts really just provide us the ability to do that digitally which means we can be rewarded and incentivized for our creations and exchange them and sell them and allow them to live in other places too
0: yeah it's beautiful because now you often create something and the marketplace that you're selling it through ends up profiting from it and now you can actually own it I've got a whole bunch of other questions, but we're approaching the top of our time. I want to make sure we talk about branding and organization. So branding, if I think about elevators, I think of Siemens. If I think about beer, I think of Budweiser. And so like the brands kind of are defined by categories. But here talking about you've done work where you're transferring brands. How do you transfer? You can't drink beer in the metaverse.
1: My thesis is that the metaverse will very much parallel reality. And so my first question for brands and the exercise that we do when we start Working together is we kind of go like, right, what's the essence of your brand? And the first thing will come up will be like, okay, right, we're Anheuser Busch. Our business is about beer. But what I did when I was working with Anheuser-Busch is like, okay, let's get rid of the physical concept of beer. Like, what are we really? And really, AB InBev, Anheuser-Busch, it's the world's largest brewer, but if you get rid of the idea and abstract away from beer, they're one of the world's largest entertainment companies. They bring people together to be entertained, and that's where you consume and enjoy their products. They're one of the world's largest sponsors of sports and entertainment. And so if you think about that, then that gives you kind of a right to play in virtual worlds, in very much that same way. So with AB InBev, one of the things that I did was I ended up launching Stella Artois into the metaverse early, early 2021. It was one of the first brand experiences. They became the first beer brand in the metaverse. They became the first CPG company in the metaverse, and we had a heck of a lot of fun doing it. And it sounds crazy, and you're like, we have beer brand in metaverse. What did you do? What we did was we partnered with Zed Run, which is a crypto horse racing game. Z E D Run. And at the time, horses were selling for the price of cars. We auctioned off 50 horses that were uniquely designed to represent the look and feel of Stella Artois. And the way we got to Stella Artois being the brand we wanted to do this with is, again, paralleling reality. There was two Anheuser-Busch brands that fit this idea of horses and premium sport. So in reality, Budweiser has Clydesdales and stables. So that made a lot of sense. But also Stella Artois sponsors only the most premium sport. The Wimbledons of the world, a very famous horse race, for example. And so we went, OK, this is a new world and Stella Artois should be the sponsor of premium sport in this new world. And Zed Run is and very much was this premium sporting experience in the metaverse. So we worked to auction off 50 horses, commemorative art pieces and skins so that people could cloak their horse in a Stella Artois, Life Artois skin. We also released a new virtual world for them to race their horses in, which was the Life Artois styled in the same look and feel as this dreamy, creamy world that had been being developed in 2D for the past number of years. And so we released that, allowed people to race their horses down the track and effectively entered this new space in this new era really boldly, which was a lot of fun.
0: That's great. So you're abstracting the brand into a higher order promise or essence that is in in the physical vessel of the category in which it competes. There's so many implications of that. We're reaching the top of our time with you. So I want to make sure that we also talk about organizations because you parallel what's happening now to how, say, social media marketing developed. Like, what does a company do? Do they create a metaverse marketing team? Do they trade everyone in it? How do you think about where this sits?
1: Here's how I think this is going to go. I think it's going to be very much like social media. I think right now, most folks are still really skeptical. A lot of folks still don't quite know what the metaverse is or how it might apply to their their company, never mind their department, it will affect every single department in every single organization, just the way the internet changing to become more social in every way did too. But I think this is about 10x bigger, truly. So, my guess is that there will be some resistance and there will be late adopters. It'll probably be some like young, super cool intern who does something neat, maybe even goes a little bit rogue, and a brand starts to see some success with that and goes, wow, that's kind of interesting. So they permit them to form some sort of mini meta team. And we saw this with social media. First it was given to the intern, then you had social media teams inside organizations. And now there's not a single marketing team, but I would say even more than that, most teams in every organization have some sort of social media skill. Whether you're a salesperson, you're social selling, aren't you? You're on LinkedIn. If you you are in the communications team, marketing team, et cetera, you're always thinking about this medium. I think that's where metaverse and virtual world building goes as well, where today it'll get cordoned off into probably marketing first. People will miss the opportunity in other areas. Somebody will do something cool, justify a little bit more budget. They become a little meta team, meta lab. And then 10 years from now, every single marketer for sure and most folks at large organizations will have virtual worlds and 3D immersive spaces as part of their their skill sets and tool belt that they use to do their jobs every day.
0: That makes a lot of sense. I heard that when factories were first being electrified, like before there was electricity, companies created a role that was something like chief electricity officer. (laughs) Now, if we don't have that, anywhere. it's everywhere, right? So I could see it going that way.
1: It's everywhere. Another one is email, like when email first came out and you'd go and try to sell enterprise email to organizations. If you got buy-in, because most people were like, that's dumb and we just get letters and we have telephones. If you got buy-in, they'd go, okay, cool. We will give one email address to the sales team, one to marketing team, one to this, et cetera. So if you wanted to reach, say, Coca-Cola, I have no idea what Coke's play was, but you know, you'd know, you email marketing at Coca-Cola.com or sales at Coca-Cola.com and someone would diligently print out that email, take it to somebody's desk, they would write a reply by hand and that person would go and type the email back up and send it back out. Like everyone thought the email was going to not work and now most people have four, five email addresses. For sure you have one. Everybody's got an email but most of us have three or four or five emails.
0: Several. Yeah, Fascinating. Wow. All right. I feel like we just scratched the surface and it's such a gift for us to be able to sit with someone who thinks about this, but also actually does it with such well-known brands and companies. How can people therefore continue to follow you and learn from you? What would you suggest we do?
1: Oh gosh, let's connect on LinkedIn. I'm happy to open up and have conversations there. Also on Twitter, I am the McInerney. It's a mess of a last name, but if you can find me there, great. I'm sure it will be in the show notes. We'll put it in the notes. Yes, we'll put it in the show notes. Lindsay McInerney, Lindsay Mac on LinkedIn, and I'm posting content there, but also connecting with folks and helping people understand the future.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you for the work you do and for taking some time to sit here and at least open up the doors for us. Thank you. Uh, Thanks so much for having
1: me. Really appreciate it.
0: Thank you to our guests. Thank you to our producers, Karina Reyes and Zach Nest, our editor, and the rest of the team. If you like what you heard, please follow, download, and subscribe. I'm your host, Kaihan Krippendorf. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next week with another episode of OutThinkers.